Well, good morning. How are we? Good. And we are, we're glad you're here. I want to welcome you, but also, can we welcome those that are also watching us online this morning? Can we welcome them into our service this morning as well? It's not the same without you, but we're glad that you're able to watch online. But did you have a good 4th of July weekend this weekend? Yes. And uh, who's like the people that go all out for 4th of July? Anyone out there just like go all out? They spend like 20 grand on fireworks, light them all through the night. Yes. We had, a, we had a good 4th of July, my wife Megan and I. We just celebrated our two-year wedding anniversary. So yes, celebrate that. And um, so we had a pretty mellow 4th of July because we have our firstborn. Wait, wait for it. This is our firstborn, Griffey. And uh, no kids yet, but... He's a handful, let me tell you. And um, he's nine, just about nine months. And so we stayed home with him on his first 4th of July, especially because of this. Wait for it. He got the, uh, the cone of shame, as they call it. <laughs> and um, people are like, he looks so sad. And I'd be like, yeah, put a cone on your head and see how you look <laughs> there. But uh, he is... He's a handful, and he's been a handful this week, but um, that was our 4th of July. We, we pray you had a great time with family, and just always good to get together in those kind of moments with family and friends. So hope you had a good time, but we're glad you're here this weekend. I get to kick off our, our summer series this weekend. These are kind of weekends. These next few weekends, you're not going to want to miss. As Pastor Daniel's going to be sharing next week. We also have, uh, I think in a few weeks, we have Joel Parker coming in. Also, Lance Powers is going to be in the house. So these are weekends this summer. You're going to want to make sure you're here, bringing some friends with you, because you're going to be encouraged, and just some, some great speakers are going to be in our house here at our church. So make sure you're here uh, throughout the summer. Ministry still happens, and God's still moving uh, here at our church. So we're going to jump in. If you have your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 16 is where we're going to go this morning. If you're new to church, we do believe in this book, in the Bible, we believe that it's God's inspired word, that it's not just like a history book or not a book that we reference for good morals. No, this is actually God's words for us today. Like This is like, as God speaks, he speaks through this book. And as we gather as the church, we get opportunities to grow from it and we get to learn from it. And so we're going we're gonna to study it this morning. 1 Samuel 16, uh, let me give you a little bit of context of where we're at. I think it's important to know the world behind the text. Like, what's happening behind what we're reading. And the people of Israel is who we often study in the Old Testament. It's the journey of the people of Israel through the promised land, through the ups and downs of where, where they go and how God works through them. And so we're studying the people of Israel. They're coming out of a, a time of, of judges and God appoints this, this king named Saul because they really wanted a king. Everyone say Saul. Saul. They really wanted King Saul. They wanted this strong victorious, kind of a, a head above everyone else, charismatic leader named Saul. And so God appoints him, and he was a great leader at the beginning. He was faithful. He listened to the heart of God. He led the people of Israel really well. But near the end of his leadership, uh, he wasn't so faithful. And in fact, God says the, these words about Saul. He says, I wish I never would have appointed him into leadership. Now, I never want that said about me. How about you? Harsh words. But Saul, Saul is on his way out, and it's time for a new king. Now, it, in, in the Bible, it said that the next king of Israel was going to come from the family of Jesse. And so we're at this moment where the family of Jesse is all together. Jesse and all of his sons, or most of his sons, are together. And this is where we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 6. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. 
Here it goes. Most of you are ready. 50% anyway. Here we go. When, he, when they came, he looked on Eliab, the firstborn. Anyone want to name their firstborn Eliab? Yeah, that's what I thought. And he thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Samuel says, surely, or Jesse says, surely this is the guy, Eliab. And, and the Lord said to Samuel, no, 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 don't look at his outward appearance or on the height of his stature. And all the short people say, amen, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God, the Lord, looks on the heart. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that one more time. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse, the father, called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made all of his seven sons pass before Samuel. And then Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then the prophet Samuel said to Jesse, Jesse, are, are all of your sons here? He said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's, he's, out, he's out tending the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send to get him. We will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and he had a beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, this is it. Arise, anoint him. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David. Everyone say David. From that day forward. You see what's happening here? It's time for a new king. Sons of Jesse are all there. Firstborn, not him. Secondborn, not him. The rest of the sons, not him, not him. Are all of your sons here? No, one of them's out in the field. Jesse calls for David. David comes in, and Samuel says, that's the guy. God says, that's the guy I want. I believe this morning, and I, I, we're going to share about the life of David, I believe the reason why God chose David was because of his heart. I believe it wasn't because of his leadership abilities, even though he had some great leadership abilities. It wasn't because of his charisma or anything. I think it was because of his heart. And I want to spend the next 20 minutes this morning talking about the heart. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this family, this church. Thank you for the people that call Calvary home. God, the people that have blessed me and bless this church. We just are so grateful you've called us to be together. And we pray that you'd speak through your word this morning. We know that it's not a matter of you speaking, it's a matter of us being postured to listen. And so in these moments, we just take a second just to say, God, we posture ourselves to be able to hear from you. For we don't want to just, this is not just a talk, a 30-minute lecture. No, this is engaging with you in your word. So would you speak, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Have you ever heard the phrase, don't judge a book by its cover? Have you heard this phrase before? Uh, oftentimes this is, this is said maybe when there's a movie that comes out and there's a really popular actor in there, but the, the movie isn't actually what the, it portrays. It's really not that great of a movie, but because there's a popular actor, people like it and then say, hold on, don't judge a book by its cover. It's not as it seems. It's not that great. Or maybe there's an actual book that the cover of the book doesn't portray what the book is actually about. People might say, don't judge a book by its cover. And in other words, don't judge just by first appearance or first impression. Look, 
little bit deeper to see what it's actually really about. I have a, I have a Don't Judge a Book by its cover story, and it takes me back to, to high school. Graduated from Cascade Christian High School, and I played, I played high school basketball. Now, I want to preface by saying I played high school basketball, meaning I was on the team for high school basketball, okay? <laughs> and I, I didn't necessarily get a lot of playing time. In fact, I had a point in high school basketball. A singular, a, so yeah, you can applaud that, amen, yes. <laughs> and I had a singular point in high school basketball. Now, you're maybe wondering this morning, how did you get a singular point? You, you, you score in sets of two in high school basketball. Well, I'm glad you asked, let me tell you the story. We were in, uh, we were in, in a game and I was the guy that was put in the game with probably 10 seconds left when you can't screw anything up or you're up by 30, you're down by 50 and they're like, hey, put Taylor in the game, we can't screw anything up. So go in the game and uh, probably about 10 seconds left and I, I get the ball and some other guy that was probably the same as me on the other team, like we'll put him in because he can't screw anything up, goes in and he fouls me. Fouls me with 10 seconds left. I'm like, okay. So I go to the free throw line and I'm there and here I am, dribble, dribble, dribble. The, all my friends, everyone loves cheering for the underdog, right? Everyone just, so I'm so embarrassed, right? I'm just like, Taylor, Taylor, Taylor. I'm just like, guys, this is not, so here we go. And I'm so nervous. I'm like jittering, like, it's like, and I go and I, and I shoot the first one and I just, I just brick it, man. Like off the back of the rim, it comes back at me. And I'm like, I'm like, woo, okay. I'm gonna just, just shake that one off. How's the warm up, right? That's why you get two of them, right? And so I get there and get the ball again and, and they're like even more excited now. Taylor, Taylor. Now all the parents are rising up to the whole entire, it's like, Taylor. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just, I'm so embarrassed right now. And I go and I go and I, I make the shot. I just, oh, smooth as butter, baby. Let's go. Just swishes in. You would have thought I won the NBA championship. I'm just like running back this way. Just like, look at that. You see that, right? And, and, uh, and I was so, and you can look it up. Casting Christian High School, Taylor Ford, one point in high school basketball. That's, that's me. But we were, we were a few weeks later at the end of the, and the coach, he, uh, we're having a ceremony, you know, end of the year kind of ceremonies. And and the coach, he, uh, he pulls everyone in and he's like, hey, got this award for this person, this award for this person, this award for this person, and we have one more award left. And he's okay. Taylor, why don't you come on up? He has, we have the Cougar Award, which is like the teammate award. It's like the award they give and they're like, nah, we feel kind of bad for him. Let's like give him an award to kind of, and, uh, and he gave me this award. I'll never forget what he said though, because I think it's pretty profound for us this morning. Coach Jerry Williams, Cascade Christian, he said, you know, Taylor didn't make the team because of his talent. I'm like, well, thanks, coach. That's great. <laughs> and, but he, he said, you know what? Taylor portrayed the heart of this team. Taylor was the first one to show up, last one to leave. Taylor, though he knew he wouldn't probably get any playing time, he, he was the first one off the bench when his friends scored. Hardest worker in practice. Taylor, Taylor might not have had the same talent as everyone else, but because of his heart, he made the team partially what it was and why we were successful that year. I'll never forget that. You know why? Because I think sometimes in our, in our culture, in our lives, we don't celebrate the heart. We don't celebrate what happens on the inside. I mean, you think about Amazon, they're not asking you how, how the inside is, how's your heart? Boeing, they're not asking you how your heart is. You go to work, they're not like, how's your heart this morning? Or, in our culture, everything's all outward appearance, social media. 
and life and making sure the family looks all together. And we, we in our lives, we often, we portray this, this picture. We try to portray a picture of, of perfection and make, having it all together because I think in our world, we care so much about what people think of us and we care so much about how we look that oftentimes we forget about the heart. And you see, it's exact opposite of what Jesus says. You see, Jesus says you always start with the heart and then the outward stuff comes later. Culture says you start with the outward and then maybe it'll affect your heart. It's opposite. I'm reminded what Jesus says. This is how, how dare a person gain the entire world, wealth, influence, status, everything they want. But what does he say? Lose their soul. Forfeit their soul. I think Jesus is saying forfeit their heart this morning. So I want to talk about the heart. I, I think the reason why God chose David to be king over all of his brothers is because David had heart. In fact, it even says in Acts 13, 22, it says that, that God looked at David because he was a man after his own heart. He's a man after his heart. What, what is the heart this morning? It's like, you know, we have this, this beating muscle in the middle of our bodies, but I don't think that's necessarily what this is talking about. I think the heart this morning, it's our emotions, it's our soul. It's the place where God wants to impact inside of us. It's, the, it's our thoughts. It's the things that lead to our actions. And I think God wants to influence the inside of us and so that the outside of us is, is who we're called to be. Why, why, was David, why was David picked? Why was David a man after God's own heart? Number one, I think it was this. I think David was growing in forgiveness. David, David I believe, he wasn't perfect, but I believe he understood forgiveness. There, there's a, right when David, he took, he took the leadership, right when he became the king over Israel, he's quoted it saying this, is there still not someone on the house of Saul to whom I show kindness, may show the kindness of God to? Now catch this, if you know the story of David, you know that he took over for Saul as we've talked about. Now Saul, Saul was, didn't like David. Saul was jealous of David. Saul on multiple occasions wanted to kill David. And David gets into his leadership, and what is the first thing that David does, or one of the first things that David does? He says, how, how can I show kindness to the house of Saul? Even after Saul has died and is gone, he says, how can I show kindness to Saul? Do you know what I think that is this morning? That's a heart of forgiveness. He's not going to hold on to any bitterness or resentment or anger towards the house of Saul. He just has chosen to forgive and to move, to move on. You know, this morning, this is how I think it often goes. Catch this this morning. I think sometimes this is how it goes in our hearts of unforgiveness. It starts with a little bit of bitterness. Have you been there before about a circumstance? You have a little bit of bitterness. I think it moves to a little bit of resentment or maybe a lot of resentment. And then it, that's where then it turns to anger and your heart of unforgiveness is taking you somewhere where you're like, how did I get here in the first place? You know what happens with un, uh, anger? It leads you back to more Bitterness, more resentment, and more anger. I think it's this vicious cycle that happens in our lives from this heart of unforgiveness. What we do sometimes is we carry around like a bitter backpack. I, I, I ride my bike sometimes. My wife and I, we live here in Sumner, and I'll just get on my bike and I'll just ride towards the Ording Trail, and there's these backpacks. They're camelback backpacks. Have you heard of them? And the, they, they have places for you to put water in the back so you don't have to stop to get water, and there's this little hose that comes right here, and you can just, you can sip on the water so you don't have to stop. 
I think sometimes in our lives, we, we wear like these bitter camelback backpacks and we have bitterness back there and we just, we sip bitterness all the time and it, it turns us into a heart of anger and hearts of resentment and we get to these places like, how does my heart get to that place about that person or that circumstance? And I think, I think today, this morning, Jesus is reminding us through the, the, the person of David to say, if we want to be the people that God's called us to be, if we want to have the heart that God's called us to have, we have to grow forgiveness within us. We have to be growing in forgiveness. We're not going to hold resentment or anger towards people. I mean, to think of what happens with, with Jesus on the cross. Do you remember this? Jesus is on the cross, our Savior. Ridiculed, mocked on the cross. And what are the words that come out of his mouth? Father, forgive them. You know, forgiveness isn't as much about you or much about them as it is about you. Did you catch that? Forgiveness is not as much about what you say to another person as it is about deciding in your heart that you are going to forgive somebody. It starts with you. The words I forgive you are freeing words. They're freeing words this morning. I think this is why, why God chose David as a man after his heart to lead the people of Israel because he was growing, growing in forgiveness. Number two, it, why, why was David why was David chosen man after God's heart? I think it's because he was growing in humility. David was growing in humility. I mean, just think about it. David was a shepherd. Now, is there any shepherds at Calvary Community Church this weekend? Right? Like, this is not a common profession. But the, the role of a shepherd is a very humbling role. I mean, think about it. every single day, it's monotonous, monotonous. It's, it's day in, it's day out. You, you have to go from this field to that field. It's days at a time of walking. It's trying to herd animals that, we'll say it nicely, are not the smartest group of animals. And not only are not the smartest group of animals, but you're willing to give your entire life for one of those. It's a humbling role. I think David had this heart of, heart of humility. You know, you know, I was writing down a few things about, about humility and just listening to these this morning. C.S. Lewis was, was coined with saying this, humility isn't thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking more of others. I wrote this down. Humility isn't using, ourselves to, using others to benefit ourselves, but it's using ourselves to benefit others. Humility is understanding that I can learn anything from anyone at any time, and it's less concerned with who is right and more concerned about what is right. David had this heart of humility. And I think the, the people of Israel followed him because of his heart of humility. What I love about our church and what I've learned so many from business leaders that come to our church, from great community leaders that attend our church, from ministry leaders that are here at our church, one of the, the things I've learned so much, and even from Pastor Adam, who's been a mentor for me for years, is there's so much power in the heart of humility. I think people follow leaders that are humble. You know, Pride may get you to force someone to follow you, but humility, people will willingly follow you. I think sometimes as we grow this heart of humility within us, God will then begin to give us this purpose and this passion and will begin to be a leader of leaders because God has done this work of humility within us. Pride separates us. Pride distances us, but humility puts us with people and there's relationship and there's growth. And I believe that that's what God wants to do in and through us this morning. So why was David shown to be the king 
of Israel, a man after God's heart. I think it was because he had a heart of humility. Number three, are you with me this morning? I think David had the man after God's heart because he was always growing in contentment. He's always growing in, in contentment. I, I want to just, I just want to pause for a moment this morning, just, just thinking about contentment. I think this is a word that we could use in our, in our vocabulary a little bit more often. I think the word contentment to me just means, it just means peace. It means being able to stay still. It means not always having to strive for the next thing. So often we live our lives in this comparison, don't we? Look into the left, look into the right. They have this, they have that. Contentment to me just means that I'm going to be confident in who God's called me to be. Catch this this morning. David was anointed at age 10, but he was appointed at age 30. Anointed at 10, appointed at 30. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but that's 20 years. That's, that is 20 years knowing that you are going to be the king of Israel, yet you, are, you have 20 years to live now. You know what David did? He went back out into the field. I, I love this. Even in that 1 Samuel chapter 16 pa- passage that we read this morning, when they were looking for the next king of Israel, David wasn't even there. David was out in the field living his purpose and being faithful, putting his hand to the plow and trusting that God is going to be faithful to provide him the next thing when, it's, when the time comes. But he was faithful in the moment. I love that when it was time to appoint a king, that they had to call David in because he was so busy with his purpose that it was like, hey, David, it's time for promotion because you've been so busy out there. We're going to anoint you to be king of Israel. I think sometimes we want the next season so bad. We want the next promotion. We want the next this. We want the next that. We want what that person has. But you know what I think God would tell us this morning? He would say contentment in our hearts just keeps you focused between you and Jesus, not looking to the left or to the right, not worrying about what someone else's purpose is, not worrying about wishing you had this or that, wishing you had their life, but it's focused in on Jesus and saying, I know I'm who... I." God has called Taylor Ford to be. I don't need to be someone else. I don't need to be that person. I'm going to be content with who he's called me to be. And as I am and as you are, together we're stronger. As you are who you're called to be and you're content with that, and you just rest that God has called you to be this for this season, and maybe he'll call you to something else in the next season, but for right now he's called you to whatever he's called you to. And as we all live in that together, watch out. Because there won't be jealousy. There won't be comparison. We'll just all be together going in the same direction, reaching this community for Jesus. And I want to be a part of that team. How about you? I want to be so content with my calling. I don't want to look to the left or to the right. David was, a, was so just content with God was going to do what God's going to do at the right time and the right place. I'm just going to trust. I'm going to trust his timing. So often, so often, friends, we want to rush the process. We want God to give us more influence or more this, but we don't want to go through the process to get there. There's a process to growth, isn't there? Sometimes God has to put us through the refining fire a little bit. And when he does, we go out the end way stronger and better in who he's called us to be. I think that David was chosen because he was always growing in contentment. It was just you and Jesus. And God took your wealth, your money, your job, everything away, would you be content with just you and Jesus? It's a tough question to swallow. 
Reminds me of the old hymn. You can have all of this world, but what? Give me Jesus. I think David was, was chosen because of his heart of contentment. Number four, you know what David had? David had courage. David had courage. I mean, I think of David, the little, the little shepherd in the field, going to, going to face the Philistine giant Goliath. You know, you think about the, the, uh, the phrase, have you heard this phrase before? Big things come in small packages. This is David. Like, David was, he was so, he, he was so passionate. He was not going to, he was not worried about how big the things looked out there in the world. He, David had such a courageous heart. He was such a warrior. He was so courageous to be who God's called him to be. And I, I think one of the reasons why God called David to be the king over the people of Israel is because he, he had this courage to him. You know what courage is? Courage is standing up when everyone else sits down. Courage is standing firm in what you believe and what you know is true when everyone else wants you to sway to the left or to the right. As John Wayne says, this, this, it's kind of a funny quote, but he says, what's courage? Courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway and getting on the horse and going. Right? This is what courage is this morning. And I think, I think our culture and our world is, is desperate for a group of people to stand up in courage. To stand up and say, I am firm in what I believe. What this book says, I'm not going to sway to the left or to the right. I'm not going to be phased by the thinking of this culture. I'm not going to be phased by what my friends or my family, other things want me to think. I'm going to be phased by what God says. And I'm going to have the courage to stand in it and to believe in it and to stay firm in it. Not in a prideful way, but in a humility. To say, I'm not going to be swayed to the left or to the right. I, maybe this, this weekend, it's like a, a Holy Spirit gentle push for someone in here that knows they need to make a tough decision, that knows they need to have a hard conversation, that knows they need to get real about something, I pray that we would have the heart of David. Stand up in courage. To stand up and say, I know that seems big, but my God is bigger. I know this conversation seems hard, but my God is bigger, and he's going to get me through it. And I can move mountains with the faith that God has given me. If God is for me, who can be against me? Things might look big and daunting and scary, but I have the courage of God on my side. Who needs a dose of courage this morning? I know I do. I'm not going to be scared. I'm not going to live crippled by fear anymore. How about you? I'm going to live full of faith. I love what it says in 1 John 4.18. It says this. It says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I, I pray, Calvary Community Church, this, this morning we would be so full of the love and the presence of God that fear would, fear would cripple, not us. We could put fear underneath our feet and say, I, I serve Jesus and he has loved me, he has put his love within me and I'm gonna step out in courage this morning. We're gonna have the courage of Jesus. The last thing is this. Why do I think God chose David? I think because David was, he was growing in authenticity. He was growing in authenticity. Many of you know the story of David and how he had an affair with Bathsheba. And he's, he has an affair with her and her husband is actually out at, at battle. And he, to h- try and hide his sin, he kills her husband. 
And then he has this, his friend. He said, his friend Nathan calls him. Say, hey, we, we got to talk. You don't have a friend like that? I know I have some friends like that. That when I know they, sometimes they'll call me and they'll say, Taylor, we got to talk. And I'm, okay, let's talk. And they had this heart to heart, Nathan and David. And Nathan confronts David and says, David, I, I know what you did with Bathsheba. You know what you did with Bathsheba. Trying to cover your stuff, trying to hide this, hide that. You know what David says? Check this. He says, have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You know what? David was confronted with the sin. You know what David did? He owned it. He owned it. I messed up. I blew it. He says, Nathan, I need you to help me get back on the right path again. Before you and before God, I blew it. And I think it's that kind of a heart that God loves and honors. You know, God's never called you to be perfect. If God called only perfect people, none of us would be called. You don't have to wait till you have it all together to feel called by God. You don't have to wait till you get everything perfect before you can step out into your calling. But David was authentic. He owned his stuff. When things got real, he said, yep, I did it. Same person as in public as in private. Live with the lights on. So where's your heart this morning? Believe that God wants a, a heart check for Calvary Community Church this weekend for all of us. I think for as I've processed through, God's done some work on my heart. As I've thought about who are the people that I need to learn to forgive where, where do I need to ask God to humble me? Where in those moments am I not content? Where is, am I lacking courage? Oh, and where am I not being authentic? I think as we ask these questions about our heart and we focus on the inside, not on the outside, the outside gets a lot stronger. But we have to start inside first. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart this morning. I'm going to end with this devotional. It's one that's meant a lot to me over the years. It's called My Heart, Christ's Home. I'm going to paraphrase it. Have you, have you heard of My Heart, Christ's Home? Maybe a few of you have. If not, I encourage you to Google it. It's a great devotional. And it starts like this. It says, one day a man accepted Jesus into his heart. And he, and he said, Jesus, come into my heart. And he says, it was a glorious day when Jesus came into my heart. It wasn't this highly emotional thing or it wasn't this crazy circumstance. It was just, I had humbly asked Jesus into my heart and he came into my heart. And the man says, Jesus, now that you're in my heart, I'm so glad you are. I want to give you a tour of my heart. Let's go on a tour of my heart. So he shows Jesus a tour of his heart. He goes and he says, Jesus, this is, this is the study. Now that I've accepted you into my heart, I went and bought all the right theology books. Look at the study. This is where we're going to spend time together in the study. Aren't, isn't this awesome? I love the study. He goes and says, Jesus, this is, the, this is the living room. Love the living room. Look at the fireplace, the mantle. It's amazing. Beautiful. You know, this living room, Jesus, I'm, now that you're in my heart, you're making a home in my heart, this is where I'm going to spend time with you. It's where we're going to, pray together. It's where I'm going to turn the fireplace on. I'm going to wake up early and we're going to spend time just being together in the living room. Jesus is like, cool. And the man takes Jesus to the next room. He takes him over, shows him the kitchen. 
Jesus, this is the kitchen in my heart. Look at this. Make some great food here. It's going to be awesome. He takes me to the next room and shows them. This is the rec room. Just bought a foosball table, by the way. It's awesome. Okay, like foosball table is amazing. Jesus, don't you love the home in my heart? I'm glad you're a part of my life now. Welcome to the home in my heart. Showed you all the places. It's awesome. And Jesus is like, I'm really glad to be here. The devotional goes on. He says, hey, you know what? I'm really glad that I'm, I get to be home in your heart. But I've noticed a couple things. If you don't mind me, just kind of lovingly, kind of as Jesus does, he kind of lovingly pushes us forward. And he says, you know, as I, as I was in your study the other day, home in your heart, I noticed there was some magazines some magazines that really aren't that honoring to your thoughts or your mind and just really is, is not that great for you. And the man says, oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I forgot I had the magazines. That was my old life. I just want to get, sorry, thanks for, thanks for letting me know. Okay, okay, okay. And Jesus says, about the kitchen, I think you spend way too much time thinking about the food you're going to eat and thinking about the taste of the food and way less time thinking about just the, the bread of life that I am for you. And that's way more important than any food you eat. Then Jesus, he goes, he says, and that rec room that you showed me, love the foosball table, it really is awesome, but I noticed that there was some times that you didn't invite me to some of your events in the rec room. But those Friday nights, you didn't seem to invite me there. You weren't that popular. You didn't want me in there. Like I, I just, it was, I didn't feel welcome there. The man says, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I know I was ashamed of what was happening there. And then Jesus, lovingly, as he always does, he says, there's one more room, if I might ask. It's the closet. So there's there's that upstairs closet. You know that little three-by-five closet? So it it was locked when I tried to go in there the other day. I mean, you invited me to be home in your heart, but that, I couldn't get in that room. And the man said, yeah, you couldn't get in that room because I have the door locked. You are not going in there, Jesus. Jesus said, come on, come to me. Open the door. Let me in. And the devotional ends with the man breaking down in tears on his knees saying, Jesus, you can have everything. Here's the keys to the closet. Here's all the rooms to my heart. Here's the deed. Here's the title. You get everything home in my heart. And what a day that was when I gave my entire heart to Jesus. My heart, Christ's home. This is what I think Jesus would say to us this morning. I think he would say, give me all of your heart, everything, even those pockets that are a little bit hard to, to hand over. I just... I give you everything and watch what God does. Then you become a person of forgiveness. You become a person of contentment. You become a person of courage. You become a person of humility. And you become a person of authenticity because Jesus has everything in your heart and therefore you start bearing the fruit on the outside. That's the kind of life I want. How about you? Amen. Let's pray together. If you're here this morning just with every head bowed and eye closed, I want to pray for some people this morning. If you're here this weekend and you know that this is your day for just a heart check, say, it's my time just to allow God to do some some heart work on me. If, If that's you this weekend, I just want, there's so much power and just honesty and no one's looking around, just between you and God. 
you just lift your hands to heaven and just say, it's time for a heart check for me. Yeah, no one's looking around, just you and God. I think there's power in our response. Sure. Sure, you can put your hands down. Lord, I thank you for the people here. Thank you for Calvary Community Church. God, forgive us for the times that we spend so much time worrying about the outward appearance. But we don't spend enough time growing the heart, growing our soul, growing our walk with you. So this weekend, it's a weekend for all of us to press the reset button at times and to say, I'm gonna start on the inside and allow God to work on the, work on the inside and then the outside will happen. I pray this week that you would, by your Holy Spirit, you would reveal those places that we have to hand over totally to you, those closets in our heart. May we hand the keys over, even right now, or maybe you'll reveal it to us this week. We want to be people that are all about you, no other agenda, content, full of the peace that all we need is you this morning. We love you so much. Thank you for your love and your grace for us. In Jesus' name.